What's good? What's going on? Welcome back to another episode of the Hogshaven Podcast, powered by SB Nation. You can find us at hogshaven.com, at hogshaven on Twitter, and on Facebook. I am your host, Molly Maul. Jamal Forrest, you can find me on Twitter at Let Maul Tell It. Do not forget the you. All right. Um. Yeah, it's what, what day is it? Tuesday. We are recording this Tuesday morning Um. as Washington continues to gear on or gear up in, in, in their OC search uh, today. On this day, actually, Thomas Brown is slated to interview with the commanders about the open uh, open OC position or vacancy. Uh, Thomas Brown obviously being uh, an assistant for the Los Angeles Rams under head coach Sean McVay. Um, before we dive a little bit deeper into that, uh, I guess, so it's going to be a little bit weird to talk about, um, but for those who follow me on Twitter, or at least seeing a tweet is not necessarily un- not surprising. Um, and I, I'm not, I'm going to speak a little bit briefly on the topic because there's a lot more information that hasn't been discovered or available, made available to me yet. So I don't want to, for those who truly like the podcast and support it, I, I don't want to scare anybody. And before you think about it, I'm okay. Um, but uh, Box Box Media has had several layoffs, um, a lot of layoffs to this point, 7% of the workforce, um, and that impacts several SB Nation communities, um, and it has impacted um, uh, Hogshaven Podcast. Uh, again, there's not that much information out there to tell you what's going on with the blog, I assume that the blog is going to be just fine. The website is going to be just fine. Um, And when I say SB Nation, there has been some blogs that have been impacted. There has been some podcasts that have been impacted. So don't lump it all together. All of them aren't impacted in all podcasts. All podcasts and all blogs are not impacted, but 7% of the workforce has been laid off and that has trickled down to SB Nation. And I say that to say that Hogshaven Podcasts has been affected and impacted by the layoffs. So, um, as far as we know, as far as I know, um, it might be the case that my time is officially limited, unfortunately, with this podcast, um, with the Hogshaven podcast. Do not quote me on it. I'm just giving you an update and we will stay up to date together as the time moves forward. Um, but I don't know exactly what's going on. Uh, because this is bigger than everyone here at Hogshaven, um, both from the blog site and from the podcast side. So nobody knows just yet. We will keep updated. Um, it is an unfortunate truth for me. Um, but if there's a way that I can stick around, um, that makes sense that I can stick around with Hogshaven podcast and we can keep getting that done, um, then I will explore that. Uh, but for now, up until we get clarity, I will still be here um, doing episodes. Uh, so that is kind of the unfortunate news to start this whole thing off. Um, that is also the case if you were one um, why there wasn't a podcast beyond Monday of last week. <laughs> um, 
it took the wind out of my sails a little bit. So and I think we're all allowed to, you know, feel some type of way when those things. I didn't know it was going to do that. <laughs> like I thought I was going to be fine, but you know, after the news, I just, you know, kind of, kind of, kind of stung. Um, and it, and and I think the thing is, it really sucks for a lot of people that I have come to know. Some of the people that I've come to know over this season, because I haven't even been here a whole year yet, but uh, but over the course of this season, who's been effect, affected by it? Because you know, this is their livelihood in the sense of like. This is their day job, their night job. This is their job job. Um, and uh, I I feel a way, but I also feel for them because, like, they take this hard and, and you know, for them to be blindsided and, and have their life abrupted just out of nowhere. Um, and, and with little communication, um, not saying anybody's at fault, but just they just, they just didn't see it coming. Um, I, I feel for them, man. And. Uh, this ain't easy to get through knowing what I know and, and what I'm aware of. But uh, I felt like if I didn't like just get it off my chest early <laughs> in this episode, uh, you know, it, it would have been it would have been a little bit difficult down the line. Um, but let's go ahead and continue on with this episode uh, again. Not even that long, just more so on the update on OC search. Because uh, there hasn't been much news coming out from the commander standpoint from a football side. Obviously, we know, and I shouldn't even assume. Uh, we know that Dan and Tanya are planning to sell. <clears throat> there was news recently, uh, as of as early as yesterday, that um, there was a New York Post report that Jeff Bezos will be willing to sell the Washington Post in order to buy the commanders. Um, and that's on the ownership side. A lot of people are are infatuated with the idea of Bezos being the owner of the commanders. And truthfully speaking, I understand it. Um, you know, money does a lot of things and um, money opens up a lot of avenues and uh, a lot of innovative ideas. And that is a, a good recipe for someone who wants to buy a team and who also knows that the team is in need of a new stadium. Um and the land around it can be uh, developed to the idea of what can really go around the stadium and what can really be beneficial for the people who are experience, experiencing uh, fandom on game day, like whatever that may be. Um, so the idea of Bezos coming here, a lot of people are infatuated by. Um, and that post report is essentially alluding to the fact that, you know, we know that Daniel Schneider has some issues with Bezos, but he also primarily has issues with the Washington Post. And the presumption of that Post article is more so alluding to the fact that if, or he is willing to sell that Post, if that means Dan Schneider can consider selling to him. Um, there has been an update since that article, and this is the last I'll speak on it because, again, um owners are like i'll just go ahead and finish my thought <laughs> or my point um this is there is no guarantee that he's going to be even in in the running um there's no guarantee that he will even sell the washington post because there have been reports since the article that said that he the post is not up for sale um what that means you know to be determined like the truth of the matter, what it means to be determined. 
but ultimately like ownership news i'm very interested in because i don't want dan to be the owner anymore um i think we all can agree with that for most of us 99 of us <laughs> we got to give credit to the one percent out there <laughs> um but man look just give me an owner and then we can do the research after that because i'm not gonna sit here and, and act like i i can break down an owner like i can break down a player and it's interesting to see people you know try to do that like do you know there are so many and i don't know if this sounds weird to you all like because i don't like i'm genuinely speaking from this aspect i'm not like defending or even taking a side of a billionaire i just think that when you when people's life is in the public and you know that they have tremendous amounts of wealth um people all of a sudden think that they know you to a core based on like some some stories here and there in the news and i will never do anything like that to anybody um i mean obviously i can speak on a particular incident or how a person behaved in a particular manner um but you ain't never going to see me break down a a person because they're in a public like for for their wealth and in their act their assets um that won't be me um that won't be me so i'm looking out for who buys the commanders not necessarily the people who are uh, among the front runners and that's that on ownership back to the offensive coordinator position obviously to this point let's go ahead and actually run through the list of offensive coordinators that they have interviewed prior to the thomas brown interview today um pat Shermer um was the first candidate to be interviewed uh he is not currently on a team right now but his last stop was for the Denver Broncos as he was the OC for Vic Fangio for two years, 2020 and 2021. Um, obviously, we know he had previous head coaching stints that didn't work out well. Um, none of them did, actually. <laughs> uh, but he continued to get jobs uh, in the NFL's offensive coordinator where his statistics and production was not necessarily that good. Uh, from a run game standpoint, it is similar to or from a production production wise, it is uh, kind of up the, the Ron Rivera alley of what he wants this offense to be. Um, but yeah, Shermer, 57, um, 57 years old, uh, 23 years of head, uh, NFL coaching experience, excuse me. Um, so, you know, he, he has an understanding of uh, and vast experience of leading a room, uh, calling plays uh, and, and making sure that an offense is at least well prepped. Um, you don't have that much coaching experience and and not have some positives behind your name, uh, especially in the preparation standpoint from a, a weekday standpoint. Ken Zampezi is the next up um, in the in-house interview. Uh, he was interviewed, I believe, on January 18th. Zampezi is also in his 50s, 55 years old. Uh, and obviously he's been the QB coach for uh, Rivera since his beginning of his tenure. Zampezi has also spent 13 years as the QB coach under Marvin Lewis in Cincinnati from 03 to 2015. Um, and then had the, the offensive coordinator job in 2016. Um, actually 2016 and 2017, uh, for most of 2017, uh, he was fired, uh, actually, yeah, fired early in 2017. So I'll take that back. Uh, Charles London is an interesting name as well. Um, Charles London was the QB coach for the Atlanta Falcons. He was interviewed the next day after Sam Peasy. 
He's 48, spent the last two seasons uh, in Atlanta as their QB coach. Uh, he's worked with Matt Ryan, and then he's worked with uh, Marcus Mariota and Desmond Ritter in his time in Atlanta. At one point, though, uh, before Atlanta, he served as a QB, I mean, a running backs coach, excuse me, for Chicago in three seasons. So um, he's been able to coach up Aaron Foster. Excuse me. Um, who am I thinking of? David Montgomery. <laughs> uh, yeah, but David Montgomery, and then he's had some time uh, with Aaron Foster as well at some point in his career. Um, and then Eric Studesville. Uh, Eric Studesville was interviewed, I believe, yesterday. Um, Eric Studesville is, I believe, 55, yeah, 55 years old, um, assistant head coach and running backs coach. Um, so he's had 26 years of NFL experience. Um, 22 has come as a running backs coach. Um, obviously, again, you're thinking of uh, run game, uh, coaching experience, all that stuff is important. So my thing is, and as we continue on, right, we have, like I said, um, Thomas Brown today. Um, there's a couple other names out there, Byron Leftrich, Greg Roman. Um, Jim Caldwell is, is an idea, but as we know to this point, Jim Caldwell is not um, in the running as he only is interviewing for head coaching opportunities. Um, but you think of Greg Roman and you think of Byron Leftwich, all interesting names. Um, but from what you come to understand with Byron Leftwich is that, you know, you're thinking of a guy. Um, now, I've had like my arguments in defense of Byron Leftwich more so off the strength of people look at his numbers. Right. I think they were dead last. The Buccaneers were in rush attempts and they were dead last in rush yards last year. And my defense, to be very clear with Byron Leftwich, wasn't that he was a very good O.C. or that a good O.C., but I think that when you have um, who Tom Brady, you have um, Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, uh, Russell Gage, um, Scotty Miller, I believe, uh, Leonard Fournette is a good pass catching back. You have a couple tight ends out there who um, are good receivers as well. When you have all of those names available to you, all of those players, those good athletes who are good receivers, right? Um, I think all of that is important when it comes to um, understanding that offense and you have a good, like a pass blocking offensive line. All of that is important when it comes to understanding that offense, that is context that you cannot leave out. Why would they be a run first offense with all of that? Why would they want to dominate on the ground game with all of that? Um, and I'm not saying that they didn't want to, and I'm not saying that they shouldn't have thought about, uh, enforcing or trying to establish a ground game right but i just think that um there are several ways where you can incorporate short quick passing game as your run, your run offense um but that's one part of context it's not the full context another thing is you're talking about an offensive line who was banged up throughout the whole season as well as missing some key players due to retiring um i think Ali marpet retired before the season started and your center was gone up into the playoff game um, for the whole season. So that is another thing with this offensive line that you're dealing with and you're wondering why they aren't able to establish anything on the ground. And then Tom Brady, um, like the last impression for people out there with offensive coordinator aspirations is understanding that, you know, the, 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 the last game and that Buccaneers offense didn't look good. Tom Brady didn't look that good. 
But the truth of the matter is, if you have been watching Tampa Bay throughout, you know, periodically throughout the season, Tom Brady has regressed. Um, not significantly. Like they still won what eight games because of him. But it's important to note that if your quarterback ain't up to par as well, you're gonna have these issues, especially with your offensive line not being intact. So things just don't look good from him. And I think if you make if you understand that argument, um, then you can maybe understand that he is not somebody who is just blindly pass happy. He may be able to adapt to his personnel. There has been a conversation, though, that I've seen from NFL players that I respect. I believe it was um, uh, uh, Lewis Riddick and Dan Orlovsky in terms of their analysis. They did make some of the same complaints that, you know, Washington fans make about Scott Turner and that they weren't able to marry the pass game with the run game and their play action passing was not effective at all. And that kind of, you know, is something to, 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 to put uh, cause for concern if you were interested in. Uh, a Byron Leftwich, right? Um, and that is something that I'm very keenly aware of at this point, understanding how they were able to study it and some of the, the flaws with that offense is like, do you can you trust a guy who's had the same concerns or criticisms about him? Um, or same same concerns and criticism of him about like similar to Scott Turner. I don't know if I can. Um, and then that points me to Greg Roman, right? And I again I let me be clear, let me put a ribbon or bow tie on this uh uh Byron Leffers conversation I think at the very least he deserves an interview whether or not you want him or not is separate I think he at least deserves an interview and take it from there um Greg Roman um I'll start Greg Roman's conversation off with uh Robert Griffin the third quote I think we've all if you haven't heard it by now then I guess this is going to be news to you um but Greg Roman Per Robert Griffin III, his experience, you know, he spent two years, three years under him. Um, this is the following. Greg Roman may be one of the greatest run game tacticians I've ever been around at the NFL level. Running backs and tight ends love the system because they eat. Receivers hate it. That's why free agent receivers didn't want to go to Baltimore or stay in Baltimore. It was never about Lamar Jackson. Uh, Willie Sneed had an interview um last year with Ty Dunn um Ty Dunn I believe is who is he the founder of Go Long um I'm not familiar with Go Long but anyway let's continue uh, but he had an interview with him and, and he said the following uh Willie Sneed did um a lot more motion in terms of the night and day comparisons from Sean Taylor's offense to New Orleans Saints to what you had in Baltimore. A lot more motion shifting, trying to create uh, matchups, get those one-on-one matchups in space. I know Sean wasn't big into play action off the run, but he'll get into that empty set and go five wide and start throwing different types of concepts at you that make the defenses start to bite. And here comes wide open holes across the middle. That's game plan specific. Um, That's Sean Payton, John Gruden. Those guys are from Bill Marcellus Street. Greg, Greg Roman is just more run heavy. He's got misdirection, play action. He's got power game. He'll be a hell of a run game coordinator in somebody's offense, but I think the passing games needs a little bit more juice. It's been kind of like that the past couple of years. It's something that they do. It's tough, though. The tight ends get more creativity than the receivers. I don't want to say the play calling in itself, but when you're putting in plays for certain defenses, you know what certain stuff is going to work and what isn't. So every week has to be a brand new game plan for this specific team. 
Now, if you're just copying and pasting from one week to the other, you see in the NFL, these defensive coordinators are great. So if they have something, if they seen something once or twice, they're going to lock that in. You probably won't be able to get to it that time. Um, you've got to be able to shift guys around and have to have different motions to make it look like one thing and it's completely different. Those type of coaches take it to the next level, like Sean McVay and Matt LaFleur. Those guys put guys in motion. They'll shift in motion guys to identify the matchup and exploit it. Those are the offenses I would like to be in. I know Hollywood is in that spot right now where you can showcase all of your talent, all of your passing game, not just the run game. So two comments from former Raven players about, you know, their time in Baltimore, but also understanding who Greg Roman is. It's not necessarily a criticism of who he is because clearly um, as one of the best run game coordinators or tacticians in the NFL, you know, you're going to produce offenses who are top five in rushing uh, throughout majority of your offensive coordinator career. Like that happens. And to be honest with you, let's see. Um, Since 2011, his rush offenses have he's never had a, a rush offense that has been uh higher than eighth or lower than eighth, however you want to put it. Eighth has been the worst category, uh, worst ranking of his rush offenses since he's been an offensive coordinator. Um so that was his first year actually too in San Francisco. After that, he's been uh first four times, third two times, fourth two times. Um and he's been second uh, one time, and that was this year. Um, and top 10 in attempts every single season. So, like, if you want an offense who, from a, a run game standpoint, is exactly what Ron Rivera wants, that is probably your ideal candidate. However, you have to take into account uh, offensive coordinators and, like, the cons from it as well, like, I don't know if he's ever had a receiving core as strong as Washington's. Um, Obviously, with respect to Vernon Davis and Crabtree in San Francisco, I don't think that's stronger than a Terry, Jahan, and Curtis. I don't know if that's stronger. Um, And he's also had Anquan Bolden, I believe, um, at some period. So with respect to him as well, I just don't think he's always had a strong receiving group. Um. And I'm not saying, again, like I'm giving him the same grace that I give uh, Byron Leftwich. I'm not saying that those receivers will make his pass game better because it's, it's more um, nuanced than just saying the people that he has. It, it's also about concepts and what they look like on the field, the spacing, um, the, the the quality of creativity within the offense. Like all of that matters as well. But if you have more pieces to work with, more talented pieces, uh, versatile pieces on the receiver side then you may get lucky um with greg roman um but you never know uh but, but i said all that, all that to say when it comes to this offensive coordinator position um and, and understanding who greg is who byron is who thomas brown may be i haven't even dove into him yet and and i'll do that quickly um you think about uh zampezi and you know just the overall situation that Washington is in. Um, Zampezi is the one internal internal assistant that has been interviewed. Um, and there hasn't really been that much news yet on the offensive coordinator position. I would assume that that gets wrapped up. This news gets wrapped up at the end of the week because at some point you have to move forward with your offseason plans, um, your draft plans, 
your free agency plans. You have to move forward with that. And the longer they wait, it's going to be a little bit more problematic. Um, also, because um, there are several other teams that are in better positions um, than Ron Rivera and the commanders, right, who are also going to be trying to poach from the same pool that Ron Rivera is trying to poach from. And it may be the case, like Jim Caldwell said, that he's waiting for head coaching opportunities. There may be the case that some of these coordinators or position coaches um, that are coordinator candidates, they may be waiting for a better opportunity with more clarity and more time to get their work done. And um, think about Thomas Brown as I as I dive into him for a quick second. Um, he's already had head coaching interviews. He's had it in two cycles. He's had one last year as well. So, and then he's had one or two, I think, this year. Like, think about the quality of interviews that they are getting. And they want to, and then they want to go to Washington for a season at a possible uh, just one season and 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 see if some if he strikes gold like where would I rather go <laughs> I would rather go to an opportunity that allows me a chance to grow and, and even if I do hit in the first year I still have an opportunity to stake my claim um throughout the the next couple years um similar to Ben Johnson in Detroit like I may have a chance to stake my claim for a couple of years because I like what we got going on here. I want to try and get a ring here first, or at least like put my resume down as one of the best offenses while I've been here and then see if there's another opportunity down the line with even bigger money. Who knows? Um, who knows? So the opportunities for Washington, when you think about Ken Zampezi being one of the options and, and being a, a, a very likely option for Washington, um, I would start bracing myself for that idea. As much as I like the idea of Thomas Brown, um, as much as I like the idea of um, where is he at? Um, uh, uh, Charles London. I like these guys, those younger guys, or excuse me, let me let me be clear. The assistant coach guys who are looking for their first opportunity in this regard to establish their own offense, call their own offense, um, but also have. Uh, principles from my recollection, zone blocking principles that fit the offensive line um, and who could possibly help out a young quarterback. So um, that's kind of where I'm at. But who is Thomas Brown? Um, former running back at Georgia. He's had a brief stint in the NFL, right? Um, but, you know, he's had a lot of uh, – like he's quickly surged up among the coaching ranks and uh, – candidate pools uh, across the NFL. Uh, he was hired in LA by McVay in 2020 as the Rams running back coach. And after one season was quickly promoted to assistant head coach after one season. Um, and in 2022, he ended up being becoming uh, the Rams new tight end coach uh, and helped with uh, coordinating the passing game. So they got a Super Bowl with his help coordinating passing game. Um, no, I take that back. <laughs> I'm reading this wrong. And and mind you, let me, I guess since I'm reading this, I would advise you to go to um the athletic. They have a really good article just to, to do some history on 
Thomas Brown. And um, that was July 5th of last year. Uh, you'll be able to find that if you just Google Thomas Brown, um, Jordan Rodriguez, July 5th, The Athletic. It, it should be able to pop up. If you have the subscription, you can take a look at that. Um, but yeah, 2021, he was uh, the, the assistant head coach and he got he got promoted to the tight ends coach uh, this year. So that's what that was. Um, but again, quickly, co- quickly rising as a assistant coach. And obviously it's not going to take long, especially with the endorsements, the public endorsements from Sean McVay for him to find an offensive coordinator job or a head coaching job. If it makes sense for him to take that leap, uh, his leadership has quickly been uh, 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 um, vouched for. Uh, his communication skills has quickly been vouched for. And I think that this is a guy um, who, if he can impress Ron Rivera, will probably get an offer. Again, I want to I want to make clear um, an offer doesn't mean that he's going to accept it because he may be waiting out for other opportunities or better situations. But I think that um, Ron Rivera will very can very well offer him an opportunity if he wants to come here. Uh, his resume and his 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 uh his uh what's that thing called at work? Oh Lord, it's been that long since I got a job. <laughs> his references, <laughs> his references are probably vouched for him, but at the end of the day, it's all about what he wants. If it makes sense, um, but yeah, that's it. That's gonna that's that's really about it to this point. Um, I think there is probably another interview later this week. Um, I'm about to double check because I think there was one, but I may be wrong. Uh, hmm. Thomas Brown. Uh, nope. That's it. So as far as I know, that's it this week. Um, in terms of interviews. Uh, he does have an interview, by the way, speaking of opportunities and in different opportunities. He has an interview with the Chargers the very next day, so Wednesday. Um, again, like I said, it's all about opportunities. Ron may offer Thomas Brown a job, but he may have better opportunities out here. So that's that. Um, okay. So, again, uh, thank you all for listening. If you made it this far, uh, I do want to remind you all just about my situation and Hogshaven podcast situation. We'll continue putting some some podcast out uh but the future currently is unknown um but i did want to float it all to you out there that uh something may or may not happen um but i don't know when that ball will drop where we get the information that we need to know but we're here um we're here uh as always so y'all take care enjoy y'all day enjoy y'all evening whenever y'all listen all that good stuff peace